Welcome to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Sponsored by Leadership Excursion Company and recorded from The Coop, located in Summerlin, Las Vegas. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making incredible impacts in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. Nevada is number one in the U.S. for sex trafficking. In this episode, you're going to learn about the adult entertainment industry, sex trafficking, and why support is crucial. Joy Hoover, founder of the Cupcake Girls, is on today's show, and she spends her life providing holistic services to those who either choose or don't choose to be involved in the sex industry. We also dive into how Joy personally manages a life serving others, how she overcomes challenges, and what she does to find the energy and passion to continue pushing forward. Enjoy. Joy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So glad to be here. It's about time. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's taken a while. <laughs> I know. You have been so busy, uh, which we'll run through all of those details here in a little bit. Um, I want to know, when did you move to Las Vegas? We moved in January of 2010. Okay. So is- it is now 2018. I know. You've been here for almost a decade. It's crazy. And this that- is home. Yeah. And that happens so fast. It does. Why did you move to Las Vegas? We moved here to work with people that uh, were working in the adult entertainment industry, as well as people that have been sex trafficked. Which is what you do now. You, um, you're the founder of the Cupcake Girls. Mm-hmm. And we are so proud because we are partners. Yes. Um, with our Sparks Women's Retreat and any chance we get to work together. Absolutely. We, we definitely love your organization and help any way we can. So, but let's fill in the gaps here. How did you get involved in this line of work and really what made you come to Las Vegas as a result and launch the Cupcake Girls? Yeah, so my husband and I, um, we've been married almost 13 years and we have always been passionate about marginalized communities and maybe people that felt because of their their career or their identity, any type of life situation um, that they maybe didn't weren't cared for or didn't have the right resources. And so um, we came to visit and vacation in Vegas in 2009, in September of 2009. And we just, um, it was just a few of the connections we made and what we saw here. We were in Michigan at the time and um, heard more about the adult industry and just the amount of people working here. There's about slated to be about 100,000 people. That was a UNLV study. And realizing that how many people were here working in the industry and how few resources there were, especially resources without any type of agenda. And so once we saw that and heard that, we felt super compelled to do something. I use the quote by William Wilberforce a lot. That is, um, once you know, you can walk away, but you can never again say that you did not know. And so uh, we came back to Michigan um, from that vacation and literally within a couple of weeks sold everything we owned packed our car and moved here and we drove into Las Vegas on January 2nd of 2010. So you're you're arriving in Vegas. You have an idea of what you want to do. You know, there's a need Mm because you, and I mean, honestly, you you spoke to a few people 
Did you look at any studies at that point in time and do any type of additional research or did you just feel so passionate about this that you were ready to take it on? Yeah, we, I mean, we looked at different organizations that were already acting in Vegas and that was our goal was to work with organizations that existed and to see how we could help them. Um, And so I used my hair and makeup skills to work the adult entertainment show, the AVN show that was um, a couple of days after we arrived. And I was just getting to know the community. So I really, I wanted to listen and to learn and to understand being that I don't have experience in the adult industry. I didn't want to be someone that just showed up acting like I had all the answers. Yeah. What does AVN stand for? The adult video network. Okay. What is that briefly? So it's the, it's technically AVN is a huge um, organization that hosts the Adult Entertainment Expo, which is the largest adult convention in the world. Um, so people come that are adult performers, that are um, different companies. and It could be anything from performers to something that is in the adult industry. It could be sheets. I mean, it's any of that type of stuff. Okay. But hundreds of thousands of performers come to work the show. Um, and then hundreds of thousands of come, people come to see them. I see. Okay. And then they host the adult um, entertainment, uh, the AVN award show, um, which they call the Oscars of porn. So they have a, an actual award show with a red carpet and everything. And people come from all over to be part of that is like this, this huge adult industry kind of event. Okay. So we're going to talk about two things. One is um, the adult industry mm-hmm. and the other is sex trafficking, Perfect. just so that we can clarify. Yes. This. So right now we're talking about the adult entertainment industry. Yes. And these are the people that you spoke to while you were here yes. on your vacation. So how did you identify that there was a need? Were they wanting to get out? Um, you know, what, what were you seeing in them? So when we came to Vegas, we were new to Vegas. Obviously we had lived in California previously, um, and then Michigan, obviously. Um, and so really what we saw was we started looking, we started connecting with people literally just on the strip people that were giving us out their cards, doing escorting or people that were, you know, billboards or different things, but then just individuals that were working. We had no idea how large the industry was being from the Midwest. And so it was really just understanding this population of people and how large it was. It was as nothing had nothing to do with um, people coming up to us saying, help me out of the industry. And we didn't have any of those experiences. Okay. It was really just seeing how many people were in it and then starting to research. We met a group that was doing different things. We started seeing different things, but a lot of them had different agendas or goals of a, a religious agenda or political agenda, or we're going to do this, but actually seeing how many people were in the industry and then the lack of resources as we started just really even doing research on the Vegas community and you know, LA being so close and how much in porn valleys four hours away and how much that's interacted with. It was just really mind blowing to us. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, um, we've had a couple of teachers on the podcast and just in living in Vegas for as long as I have, Mm -hmm. what happens with the Clark County school district as one example of, I'm sure thousands is teachers will move here and then you know, they'll teach at a very low salary and then they'll see and, you know, experience or have friends who are, who are, who are working in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. and they'll leave, you know, a career like teaching Mm -hmm. to go pursue something like that. And then what are you seeing in people? Do they want to get out? Are those the resources that you're providing to them? 
Um, we provide complete holistic resources. So we provide anything from doctors and dentists, um, legal support. We provide um, a huge percentage of our clients are mothers. So we do a lot of um, parent and family resources. Um, we provide all different type of mental health support, therapeutic support, support groups. So it really just depends. We, we provide career and educational support if people want that. But really, if they come to us, it's their timing and their request. So they fill out an intake. Um, we provide, you know, we meet them with a cupcake. We connect with them. We invite them to our space to meet our team. And then we have um, a therapist and other people on the team that specifically, you know, have education in supporting people with human human needs, basic right. human needs. And then when they come to us, we assess what their situation is. So we do anything from, we suicide screen all of our clients. We traffic screen all of our clients. Um, but sometimes they just need, you know, a support as a mom. Sometimes they just need food or diapers for their kids, or they need a legal, because, a, you know, legal support, a lawyer for some situation that they're having. It could be anything. And our goal is not to put an agenda on them, but to just experience what they're going through with them and kind of walk their journey and then find out what needs do they have that we can provide a resource for. Okay. So you're meeting them where they are. Yes. And they, this means that they could still be working. Absolutely. In the industry. Yes. And, or whatever their life um, situation Mm -hmm. is. I see. Okay. So it's not just helping transition out of, nope. which, which you can also provide those services yep, to. Absolutely. All right. So the cupcake girls, you, you just touched on this a moment ago. Um, tell me about how you named your organization. So we were going into the strip clubs with cupcakes. We, like I said, we had worked with different organizations and, um, specifically we were, we would go in with these pink cupcakes. Another organization actually came up with the idea originally and, um, the pink cupcake idea. So another organization came up with the pink cupcake idea. People were going in to visit people working in strip clubs, things like that. And then, um, so I went in with, with the different groups and then one of the, the group that I was working with, they moved away. And so when we would go in with the pink cupcakes, the girls actually said our cupcake girls, they named us. I mean, we always had the same pink cupcakes in the boxes. That was what our, you know, that was what they, we were known as. So it was kind of like our, our starting conversation piece. And after, after going in and going in and going in, um, I started just building a bond. You know, I didn't think this was a lifelong goal. This wasn't like I wanted to start my own nonprofit. I had no experience in nonprofit work. My background's in hair and makeup and and fashion, so it has nothing to do with it. I just always cared about humans. And so when, when working with different groups and understanding this population and really getting to know them, which I got to do so well with my hair and makeup because I would sit for an hour and do someone's hair and do lashes and, and hang out and get to know them and realize that people in the adult entertainment industry are just like normal human beings, just like everyone else. And it just felt like there was a disconnect with them in the community. And so as I started hearing about them, I wanted others to know that this this foundation, this sin city, this idea of adult entertainers that our city is built upon are just normal people with normal needs, just like any of us, um, but have a desire to be cared for, loved, respected, and provided resources just like us. And so when I saw that disconnect and I saw how many people there were, and then I saw there were groups that were doing great things, but no one actually had tangible resources without an agenda for people. 
And so with the cupcake piece, I just, that group moved away and I took the actual cupcake piece and just made it into, okay, we're going to take the cupcake with that's 10% of the touch and we're going to do 90% of resources support um, with no agenda. We're going to completely make us non-political, non-religious and make it so that anyone can be provided with support with no walls um, and just build trust with them. Okay. So without an agenda and you just clarified that for me and it's just no judgment. And we're, you know, we're talking about humans here and um, I like how you make that distinction that they're people Mm -hmm. just like everybody else. You know, think, I like to think about it as, you know, when I travel, I travel to other countries and I tell people I'm from Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. They ask me what hotel I live in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, (laughs) it's kind of, there's a disconnect there, but at the end of the day, we're all you know, we're all human. Mm-hmm. Um, let's dive into the sex trafficking portion. Cause it sounds like that really wasn't part of the your original plan. Correct. You know, so how did that come about? So when we moved out here, I had heard about tr- sex trafficking. I watched the movie taken, you know, I, you know, there was like a level of understanding of that, but I had no idea what domestic sex trafficking was, which is most of the, the, support that we offer. Most of the people that we provide sex trafficking aftercare or resources to are domestically sex trafficked. And what that looks like is that they are being forced to work either in a strip club, to do porn, to work the streets, any type of sex work. So it can be, like I said, in a strip club, porn, webcamming, anything that is a traded act. And that they're doing that against their will. So they have someone else that's saying, you need to work in the strip club this much, this many nights and make this much money and I'm going to take all that money. Now, it's obviously not that simple, right? It's not like a, you know, upfront, there's a business plan transaction right here. Um, what we see end up happening a lot is uh, there's a girl that's working in the industry that maybe he's down on her luck or meets a guy in a strip club that says, you know, Hey, I have a house. You can live here. Or they build a relationship of some sort. A lot of time there's romance involved. Um, and it's not always, you know, a guy that's a pimp of a, of a woman, you know, a male pimping a female. There's female pimps. I mean, it, there's no specific category. Most of the people that we support are women. And most of the trafficking cases that we've experienced are male pimping females. But we have seen male to male and female to female. Um, And so basically they're working in the industry without a choice. They're not actually receiving any of the money that they're making. They're giving that to someone else. Um, They're working more days or more times or more shifts than they want to be. Um, They're experiencing sometimes domestic violent type experiences, sometimes substance abuse force, sometimes, um, you know, different types of coercion, whether they have children with them. So they're putting something around their families, their shame around that. Um, so it's basically uh, domestic sex trafficking is very complicated and not every situation is the same. They're so different. Um, but the example that we see quite a bit is some sort of coerced relationship. Um, like I said, that someone's working in the industry without, um, really wanting to. Yeah. And we hear this more and more in the news. Yes. I think, and I think that's just a result of more and more people talking about it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And you did a great job of explaining what that looks like. Cause I, I can't even picture that. So tell, can you share a story, um, of someone that, that you ha- have met along the way, mm-hmm. an anonymous person and what that one journey looked like? Because sometimes they'll 
you know, you'll see in the news someone's missing or, Mm -hmm. you know, they can't find a loved one Mm -hmm. and they, they expect that they've been sex trafficked. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you even know? Where do you even start if, if that's what you suspect? Yeah. So, um, like you said, there is a difference between people working in the industry that choose it and that people that are coerced. Um, but when we come across a, a case, what we've seen in the past, um, at one of the local strip clubs that we worked at, um, we, we brought cupcakes in every single month at that club. And we actually had a general manager of one of the strip clubs say, Hey, one of the girls that we've been working, you know, that's been working here for so long, um, she's in the hospital and she was poisoned by the person that she's been living with and she has liver, kidney and heart failure. And so will you go to the hospital and can you guys help? I'm like, absolutely. So here I am this, you know, I was 23 when I started cupcake girls. It was my first year. Um, I was either 23 or 24 and I'm, I'm for the first time kind of experiencing this with my own eyes and, and understanding of like, this is actually happening. <clears throat> and so I go to the hospital and I start, um, giving this girl a facial and I rub her hands and just, I'm literally just talking to her and just said, what's going on? Tell me what, you know, tell me. And she, she said, um, well, I've been living with this guy and I've been working at this strip club and, um, I met another guy. And so after a while I was home and I was starting getting really, really sick and the club didn't know where I was. And so one of the house moms came over to the house to see how I was doing. And I was like, my skin wasn't even like working well. I was like, I wasn't, I was half what I, of a human that I was. And so they called the ambulance and I went to the hospital and all stuff. She said she was 42 years old. And she said, when the men in blue came, I just said, let it, let me die. I had, I had no even will to live anymore. And so they don't know exactly how it happened or whatever, but she was poisoned and they found toxic, some different toxic stuff in her bloodstream. And she realized after the fact that, you know, this man was her pimp and that he was taking her money. And when she found love in another place, there was, you know, a re- this was the re- reaction basically. Um, and so the situation with her was that she had no insurance, which a lot of them don't. A lot of adult entertainers are independent contractors. So if they don't know how to sign, you know, there's no HR for adult entertainers. Yeah. And so um, she didn't have any insurance. So at 63 days in the hospital, they let her go, which she couldn't even walk. And she was on the list for a heart transplant and she had no support. And so one of the managers of the strip club actually brought her into the home and let her stay in the room, but then had to go to work. Right. And so they called us and said, can you help? We said, sure. So we had 26 hours a week. Our team went in and fed her, bathed her, brushed her hair. I mean, literally helped her learn to walk and learn to will to live again. Um, and it really wasn't until those moments that her realization came of for years, I, you know, gave every penny that I made to this man and prayed for a way to get away from him. And, um, that's trafficking. I mean, that right. is, that is, that is a, a story of trafficking. And then for her story, you helping her along the way helped her get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. I imagine. Yeah. And we helped her leave the, we actually helped her leave the state. She moved all the way to the other side of the country and mm-hmm. helped her get on the heart transplant list and like completely, you know, radically transformed her life. But it was just us showing up with cupcakes. 
that, and at first, even with her, she sometimes would take it, sometimes wouldn't. She was one of the, she didn't really need our services. You know, she was kind of like, you guys are cool, but I don't need anything. Um, and then, but she knew us, she knew who we were cause we were the cupcakes, same cupcakes. And so when we showed up at the hospital, she knew exactly who we were and mm-hmm. she knew exactly what we could provide. And so that's our goal within the adult industry is like, whether someone is trafficked or whether they are choosing it, they're still a human being that's in deserving of basic rights and basic resources. Um, obviously if they're coerced, if they're trafficked, a lot of times the situations are very extreme. Like that one's extreme. You know, we don't have... We don't provide that type of care to everyone. We would never, we would be out of business, right? I mean, we don't have 26 hours a week for one, every single person needs it, but we do whatever we can to provide any type of support we can to an individual. How many people did you help last year? Um, we helped dozens of people, and I don't know the exact number, but I'll get you our annual report. But okay. I know that the amount of resources we gave away and donated services was th- oh, just over $357,000 in resources. And when you talk about resources, what does that include? So that includes anything holistic. So it's anything within mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, or financial resources. The top resources um, that we gave away was um, trauma support services. So within that is trauma therapy, um, any type of really intense trauma support. So someone at a trafficking, someone of a domestic violence, some sort of really intense trauma that they've experienced. Um, and then we've, um, substance abuse and rehabilitation was our, was another really high one on there. And then domestic violence resources. So those were the top resources that we provided last year. Right. Tell me about your team. Um, so over, over time, our team has grown. Um, it's been pretty amazing to see who has joined, um, and really rallied around this cause. And it's, kind of an, it's kind of an intense cause, right? Not everyone cares about this specific population or this way we do it. And so it takes kind of a unique person. Um, but in Vegas now, um, we have actually in Vegas and Portland. So we have two branches, which we don't talk about, but we started another branch 10 months into when we actually started officially the cupcake girls. And in both cities, we have therapists. So they're trauma therapists. They can provide um, trauma-informed care and any type of resources. They also do a lot of the social work side because they're providing um, resources. So they kind of do both. And then they have a team of interns or individuals that have some sort of background in human services, social work, psychology, mental health, and they can provide resources and support to our clients. Um, So when you're calling us and reaching out for help, you're not just getting a random person that just, you know, cares, which is great. And that was me in the beginning. I didn't have any of that stuff. I just cared. But I realized over time that the the people that were reaching out and the situations that we were arriving to and that we were trying to care for people, we needed more, um, we need more knowledge. We needed more education and we needed a, a higher level of care to offer them. So thankfully we've had, we've added that over time. So we have a direct care team that provides individual support and resources as well as outreach. People that go out to strip clubs, go to the AVN show, go to different events in the adult community and just provide resources and care to individuals. Um, and then we have, um, a few other teams. Some are led by staff, some are led just by volunteers. So in each city we have three staff members in each, so six. And then, um, we've got, um, overall a PR person and a project manager. So those that's kind of how we're set up. But there's 
between both studies, we have just over 125 volunteers, I think now, and we've got over 90 partners. So that's partners could be a doctor, it could be a lawyer, it can be, um, a, you know, a job organization that, um, provides career opportunities for clients. It can be, um, a women's resource organization that provides like diapers or different resources. Here we partner with people like Dress for Success, which I know you just had her on. We partner with Baby's Bounty. They provide, um, anything you need for, um, women in, when, in their eighth month of pregnancy. They provide most everything that a woman could need for them, their baby, which is unbelievable. Um, but there's so many resources in our town. And then we have in-house resources. So people that are just on our team to help our individual clients. We have a doctor, we have a lawyer, we have, um, financial advisors, we have, um, resume help, we have career coach, we have leadership coach. I mean, it really just, when we hear a need, we bring people in and say, here's a need that we have. Are you willing to provide, you know, one person a pro bono resource, or are you willing to provide a discount for this person? And it's all about trying to build those partnerships in the community. So we're not reinventing any wheels. Yeah. And you're, you're sharing those resources. Absolutely. Um, Cause Paula Lawrence, she was on w- from dress for success mm-hmm. and she talks about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And this is a common theme on the podcast in- individually. You know, if you have that group of people, you just can't do everything on your own. Absolutely. You know, as individuals, we run into that. So we do a lot of, um, talking about building a support system mm-hmm. and you're doing the same thing mm-hmm. with your organization. It's really partnering with organizations that complement your services so you can provide all the help and care that you, that you can, Mm -hmm. which is pretty incredible. I love to see that. Now, why did you open another, um, another uh, spot in Portland? Well, I was speaking uh, about what we do with the Cupcake Girls and what we're doing in the community and providing resources and stuff. And there was a group of people from Portland that were there and they were like, we want to do this in our city. I'm like, okay, cool. Here's my card. Email me. Not thinking they would. And within five minutes, I got an email. They're like, really? Like, there's more strip clubs per capita in Portland than any other city. Um, The state of Oregon in general, because Springfield, which is two hours about from Portland, um, they they have, like, one of the largest sex trafficking populations. I mean, it's just unbelievable how much trafficking and how large the industry of, in Oregon in general is. And so we um, – was really cool. We, there was a client that we helped here in Las Vegas – she was working in the strip clubs both here and she had worked in them previously in Portland where her family's from. And, um, she decided she wanted to move back to Portland and she loved the mission of the cupcake girls. We had helped her. She was one of the first clients we ever helped with dental work. We provided, um, mentorship and just support and advocacy just for the different things she really wanted to do in her life. And so she moved back to Portland about a month before. And then I had called her and said, Hey, I think we're going to start a branch out there. She's like, I want to help. And so literally we, we flew out and she helped screen every person, every volunteer that wanted to be on that team. She went into the strip club, strip clubs and introduced me to the owners, to managers and said, these girls are awesome. They help so many, um, adult entertainers. You should let them in. It was unbelievable. It was like, the joke was that in Vegas, we were like pounding on doors to get into strip clubs. And in Portland, they like rolled the red carpet out for us. <laughs> um, it's not that simple because, you know, over time we obviously had, have things that you run into and that you have to work through and stuff. But that client specifically, one of her dreams in the end was to open a yoga studio and, um, help actually other performers kind of wind down from the night of working their shifts or different things and provide holistic resource, which she, she 
we were able to provide her. So it's so cool. And just this past, I think it was August, September, she opened her yoga studio and she had the cupcake girls there with our cupcake girls, our team. And we were the nonprofit of the night that they supported. And she continues to support us every single month with different, um, financial support with volunteers, um, and just different partnerships and events that we get to do with her. So that's a really cool story. Yeah. That just makes it all worth, worth all the effort for everything that you, you and your team do. Yep. Absolutely. Um, help us connect with someone who's working in the nightlife industry. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier that they're human just like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're touching on little little touch points, like helping wind down after the night. And oh, But give us a common theme of the, the common challenges that, that your clients are facing. And, and you are helping them with holistic services and everything. But, ha- you know, how you're helping match them up with the right services. Just talk us through all of that. Yeah. So I think if we, if you haven't worked in the adult entertainment industry, which as I shared, I haven't, um, but just sitting for hours in these strip club restroom, your, you know, bathrooms or dressing rooms and go, we drive out to the legal brothels in Nevada and spend time with the girls working in those. Um, and, and really just getting to know at AVN and things like that. Um, the adult entertainment industry is a fantasy, right? These people are actors. They're actually selling you a fantasy. So because of that, that is not their normal persona. What they're perceive, what you're perceiving them in a strip club or on camera or in a brothel, is not who they are as an individual human being. Could be parts of who they are. Could be a complete act. You'd never know. And so, a lot of times, what we see in the industry is people are there, and there's a side to it that they just want to be a human. Again, they just want to be treated like they go home to their kids, they go home to their families, things like that. But a lot of times they're not able to share what they do with anyone because they get two sides. They either get, well, you choose that, so who cares? And, you know, that's bad. Or, you know, this is the whole stigma, right, of this work. Or um, they get questions about it. Like it's this, like, um, really cool f- uh, fantasy and they want to hear more about it. And who wants to talk about your job when you just worked your job, right? right. And so it, it really can be very complicated, I feel like, for, the, for the, that the issues that these people face. What happens then is then there gets to be um, a level of um, stigma, marginalization, shame that's put on them. And so then they feel like if they go to their regular doctor, their regular, say they want therapy, just like any, I go to therapy. But I go to my therapist and I'm able to share them with my therapist. Here's my real life. Here's what I do. Here's my kids. Here's the situation. What if you couldn't do that with your regular doctor, with your regular therapist, with your tax advisor, with your bank? What if you couldn't even tell your bank what, or they would actually close your account, which has happened to our clients? Yeah. The reality is that the fantasy that are cre- the fantasies that are created around this industry create um, a need to... Um, kind of go inward and not talk to people about it and not share the concerns or the experiences or things. And then there's people that work in the industry that are great and supportive and there's people that aren't. And those people sometimes prey on the young ones or the people that are new to the industry and then they have other bad experiences. And imagine going into an industry working, whether you choose it or whether you don't, and having different types of really intense or bad or just new experiences and not being able to share that with anyone and imagine what your life would look like and then take another level of, you know, not being able to tell anyone, your family, your community, what you do, or you feel shame for it. Um, 
people not seeing you as just like a normal human and said you're being slut shamed or say you do get in a situation and you get raped. A lot of times if you work in the adult industry, if you get raped, it's not, it's not taken as seriously as if you're just a normal regular job. Right. Um, that is still, you know, if you are raped, if someone takes advantage of you sexually, no matter what your job is, rape is rape. Yeah. And, Oh, that's a story we've heard a lot of people that have that experience or some sort of sexual assault and just are completely brushed under the rug. And so what we see a lot is just a huge need to just be treated like a human Mm -hmm. and then be cared for like an individual that has normal needs. And so that could be mentorship and advocacy, could be therapy, could be a doctor that knows what they do and they can actually, you know, be upfront with it. But then also seeing them as real people like mothers. You know, I said 50% of our clients are mothers. So many of them have children. They're trying to help get their kids in school and do normal things like that. But then, again, the stigma on that. So a lot of I feel like what we do is trying to break down what they call the adult community and the square community and just say, like, hey, it doesn't matter what job you have, what color your hair is, what you know, sexual orientation you have, what race you are, you're just an individual human being to us. And we want to provide resources for you where you're at. And then it's building that trust so that they can come back to us and realize that that's for real. There's no real agenda. There's no, no catch. It's just for real. We provide care resources and support without anything else. Yeah. We're all looking for that non-judgmental place to go. Absolutely. I, you know, of course we all have our different extremes, Mm -hmm. but, um, if you really think about it, you can put yourself in a, in a person's shoes where you have to hide who you are Mm -hmm. or what you do and what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're providing such an incredible service to our community here in Vegas. And I commend, um, you and your team for everything that you do. Thank you so much. It's fantastic. With the work that we do, which is we work with people that are choosing this work and we work with people that are not, one of the things I believe as a community, so as Nevada being known for number one in sex trafficking in the United States, I'm not okay with my city being known for that. I'm not okay with my state being known for that. And so one of the things we believe is that if there's so much stigma and so much um, shame around this work, around sex work, around adult work, being working in a strip club, working in a brothel, working the streets. And if they're choosing it, that's one thing. And then what if there's, there's so much shame already around it that if they're not choosing it and they're in a situation where someone is coercing and forcing them and, and really treating them very poorly, a lot of times it's been told to us that they're treated as slaves or as inhumane, like a dog. But if that's the case, but they don't have anyone to even tell what they do, they're sure they certainly don't have anyone to tell them what they do if they're being trafficked. So I think our belief is as a community, if we are more open minded to just humans and to individuals, no matter what they do or what their life looks like, we will fight trafficking more because we will be safe places for people to come to share with us the truth and reality of their situations. If they already feel shame, they already feel stigmatized and judged, they're certainly not going to go to us who feel who's judging them and say, oh, by the way, I'm in this situation. You don't get that right. You don't get that. If if we're not a safe space for people to come, people are never going to be able to share their needs with us. And we're going to have a community of people walking around 
as shells of humans, really desperately needing hope and resources and support. And there's going to be no one that they're going to reach out to for it. Right. And that is who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I just love. And that's also why I brought up the, um, you know, if you can tap into that judgmental, non-judgmental part of yes. you, you know, think about it. Think about being in a horrible situation that you just can't see the forest through the trees to get out of. Mm-hmm. Or let's say you want to apply for a different job and your only work experience is working in nightlife. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how, what do you do? You, there's not a lot of places to go. So yep. th- that is really incredible that you offer all of those services. Um, so we focused on the cupcake girls. I think we have a really good understanding of, um, the difference between sex trafficking, um, nightlife industry, a little taste of what the AV, AVN awards are mm-hmm. and how that ties into everything. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about you personally. I can only oh, imagine, boy. you know, I know. Oh, here we go. <laughs> um, I should have, uh, I should have had wine available or something, <laughs> you know, um, I'm just thinking of myself as, you know, a 20 something year old and you go on vacation to Las Vegas, (laughs) you go back home, you know what? I, I feel so strongly about this. I'm going to pack up. I'm going to move all the way across the country. Mm -hmm. Did you know anybody here? No. No job. No, no, nothing. Well, like I said, we were working with a few different organizations, but no paid job. No, no paid job. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're no here house. To help. Yeah. yeah, we no we house. live with a family, a, right. a couple that, that had no kids and let us live in their house in a ten by ten room on an air mattress. Yeah, and then I also think about these stories. I mean, you, we haven't really talked a lot about the stories and what you see every day, mm-hmm. but it's almost like okay, I'm really excited to help with this, you know, this this problem. Mm-hmm. I can see that there's a problem, and you might think you know what you're getting yourself into, (laughs) you know, but how did you have that foresight? What really drove you to want to pick up your whole life, move across the country, live in your friends, you know, on their couch Mm -hmm. and, and really figure this out? Um, you know, like I said, both my husband and I feel like our foundation of who we are and and how we were raised with, we were raised with faith and, and really just this belief and knowledge that everyone deserves care and and support and love. Um, and so it wasn't a new concept for us. I mean, we've been doing this in different areas of where we live, whether it was LA where, when I was in fashion school, where it was in, in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan, downtown where we live. Um, we just, it really is, it was an innate purpose in us to make people feel cared for and to make people feel seen and heard and to provide tangible, meet tangible needs. Um, and so it wasn't like, it wasn't really a, even a double thought. It was just like, there is a need here and this needs to be met. And who's going to do it? We got to go. We got to do this. Um, and so I think, I mean, obviously it helps that we're, we supported each other. We were, we were married for four years at that point. Um, but I think really, like, like I said, it's a, within our marriage, it was always our goal to care for marginalized communities. Um, that has come from our faith. It has come from our experiences and it's really just come from our belief that our lives are not our own. We don't get to just, we don't believe that we can just, you know, go after, do whatever we want and just let everyone else who's suffering be suffer. Like that's not a thing. Um, and so for us, it was like, there's some people suffering and they need resources. They need support. They need opportunity, care, love, whatever it is. We can provide that. So why would we not? Yeah. 
And what made you choose this cause over you know, the million other yeah. causes that you could probably choose from. And we've, and we've done a lot of, I mean, we've worked yeah. with homeless. We've worked with, um, my husband worked with youth for, you know, before that, like eight to 10 years. So, I mean, we've worked with a lot of, we worked with, um, the LGBTQ population for quite, you know, the year we were in LA and just, again, provided just love support. I mean, hanging out with the community, hearing them out, making them feel heard as humans. So it really wasn't, it wasn't just like, oh, the adult entertainment community needs us. I mean, in a way, I always say this, I feel like we came out here to like meet this need, right? We saw the people in the entertainment industry that needed support and resources that, you know, there was this huge, we didn't really know. We didn't even know exactly everything we were facing, like you said. Um, and I think what we found here is that we need them. <laughs> That's the reality because the last eight years of our life have been some of the most difficult and painful years of our life personally. And the things that we've helped walk people through in the industry, whether they were choosing it or not, and the way that we watched them walk out with their heads held high with courage, with integrity, with as great mothers as, you know, all these things, we needed to see that that was possible. Sometimes in life, I think you just need to see that walking through pain, that walking through life, the things that life throws at you, that someone else can, has gotten through the fire before you and you can too. And I don't know if we weren't out here, if we would have had the experiences that we had through the pain that we've walked through, if we have, wouldn't have seen that first. It's that hope. Exactly. You know, you, you see it around you and, and you know, it's there. Yes. And that gives you hope that, mm-hmm. that you can do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're living on the couch. You've, you're in Las Vegas and time goes by and it's, it's pretty clear that you found your calling. You found Mm -hmm. what you want to do. Yeah. So how did you get off the couch? You know, (laughs) how how did you, and, and you already touched on the fact that there was another group in town Mm -hmm. and, and, um, they, and how you got the name, the cupcake Mm -hmm. girls, but what, what did you do to start your own organization, get off the couch, you know, start taking care of yourself and yeah. your family mm-hmm. while servicing others? Yeah. So I'm a fixer. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to By that. nature. And so, like I said, you know, we'd start going into the strip club, start building relationships with people and start seeing needs. And so I was just like, well, we can't just, cupcakes are, you know, great, but they're not going to feed a belly that needs real food and they're not going to house a homeless person and they're not going to, you know, go to someone to, you know, the rape crisis center who was raped and actually tell a real story or get a phone call of someone whose, um, you know, boyfriend beat them up and they had no one else to turn in their 20 weeks pregnant. I mean, what are you going to do with a cupcake then? Right. And so that was kind of our reality was like, Oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if we can cuss, but yeah, I mean, it, there was a lot of moments where we're like, oh my gosh, yeah, we have some real needs here and cupcakes are great, but we got to have more. So that was like before we even started the Cupcake Girls, we started seeing the need. And so really, because I'm a fixer, I'm like, there's no way I can't fill this need. And as we started getting calls or started hearing things in the clubs, I started literally just calling dentists around. And I started going to networking events and meeting doctors and meeting people in the community that maybe had the same kind of heart for this community or even just didn't maybe know the needs, but we're like, yeah, I'll give back. I'll help out. 
Um, and so it was really just, again, sharing what, I, just like I'm doing with you, like sharing the work that we do, sharing the stories of the impact we're having and saying, do you want to join us? We need help. We can't do it alone. Um, at the time, yeah, we were in, you know, in this 10 by 10 bedroom and then we were, had roommates and then we finally got our, you know, it was just this, it was just this, you know, we got to take care of other people was our mission. But over time we started realizing that if we're not healthy, then we're not going to be able to help other people. And so we've done that through like just been amazing. Who's jumped in, helped us support us too. Like we've had donors and individuals that care about us. So they gave to Cupcake Girls and then they see, oh, well, I'm doing this. I'm going to this life and business coaching thing. So do you want to come? Like, sure. And so I just, I really think like things started coming up that we realized, okay, I'm, I'm not healthy. I need to be able to make sure we have boundaries and we have um, time together and we get enough rest and, you know, just the basic necessities of life. I think you get into this spiral when you're trying to support others that you forget about yourself. And I think we learned that the hard way. <laughs> um, and why wouldn't you? You know, you yeah. go in with these intentions <clears throat> that you want to help, mm -hmm. you know. And anytime you're starting an endeavor or a business, you're saying yes to every single thing. Yes. You don't really have a clear idea of, of um, you know, um, what exactly what it is that you're going to do mm -hmm. in the long term, right? Yep. So how did you work through those individually, you yourself, you know, you, how did you not take those problems home? You know, how did you know when to unplug and really take time for yourself and, and, uh, describe what you just said, you know, you learn the hard way sometimes what that looked like. Yeah. So honestly, the first two to three years of the cupcake girls as an, as an existing organization, I ended up in the hospital every January. It would be a full year. I'd push it, work my 80, 90 hours a week, like not, you know, have time off, not be mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually as healthy, healthy as I needed to be. And then I would end up in the hospital. And usually it was stress related or some sort of like ailment that I didn't handle or take care of. Um, and so after a while I realized, okay, this isn't working. Um, I need to make sure that I'm taken care of. So I started seeing a therapist. I started, um, blocking out time for my, as for my husband and I, I started, um, just getting the right mentorships in place. We've always had just people that have overseen us. So whether it was um, a church, a therapist, a, a mentor, maybe someone older in business, there was this amazing doctor that we're still partnered with um, named Dr. Elliot from Operation Hope. And he has been a mentor since we started this work. He has such an amazing heart to help people that are marginalized. And he was someone that spoke into our life a lot of like, all right, slow down, you know, just different things. But he would see the need and he would say, okay, I, there's this Asian spa, which by the way, everyone in Vegas needs to know about this Imperial spa. It's like this $25 thing. You go in and you can just sit in like hot tubs and saunas and upstairs in these like clay balls and it's like the whole thing. So cheap. He was like, here, go here. Here's a gift card. Go, go sit and relax and like take time for you. So it was People that cared, I think, throughout the journey, people that supported Cuppy Girls, friends, mentors, people that saw the work we were doing that said, hey, here's a Starbucks, you guys go on a date, or here's this. And so really, I think that's how we've grown up. We've grown up with people that cared about the mission that we cared about because we were just so authentic about it. Like, hey, we this is what we're doing. We need help. And people showed up for Cuppy Girls and they showed up for us personally. Um, and then over time we started realizing, okay, we have to show up for ourselves Yeah, and we need to start scheduling out 
here are the things we want in our life, here are the things we want in our business, and we're not going to achieve them if they're not on our calendar and we're not really, really, um, if we're not super purposeful with what we want our life to look like and what we want our, the cupcake girls to look like and what we want, you know, my role as a mom because I have two kids and what I want my role um, in my marriage, what I want, you know, my mental health to look like. If I'm not super purposeful about that, then I can't be super purposeful about helping others do the same. Yeah, it's so true and hard. It's Very difficult hard. to get to that place. So when was the last time you were in the hospital? Um, forever ago. Don't, don't I never go to the that's hospital. Good. Yeah. That's good. Joy. Good job. Even if, yeah. I'm, I'm anti-hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> that's because you're taking care of yourself, that's right? right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, most important leadership traits, um, for you. Um, well, our core values of the cup eight girls have, and always have been since the very beginning was love without agenda. And I think being a leader that loves without agenda, your volunteers, your staff, your partners, your donors, like if people feel love from you, genuine love that has no other agenda, but you care about them, you will succeed genuinely. But along with that, my other two, I think top are humility. Like I say all the time, this is not, the Cupcake Girls is not the Joy Hoover show. This is not about me. It's about the work that we're doing collectively as a team. So every single donor, anyone who donates $1, anyone who gives one hour, anyone who, any partner who gives any of their time together, this is the impact we're making. I could do, I couldn't even do half of this stuff without help. And so it's me showing up every day going, I'm going to bring my best and everyone else is going to join me and together we're going to make a collective impact. Right. And then third one is integrity. Since we started the Cupcake Girls, I never commit to something I don't do. So I always, I'm a person of my word and as an organization. So whether it's helping an individual, whether it's, you know, a meeting, whatever it is, I always show up. And now I've learned to say no more. So before it was killing me to do that, right? Not literally, but I mean, it was definitely physically not good for me, but it has been a practice that I believe has kept us growing every single year because we have continued to show up and to be people of our word and of integrity. Yeah. And it shows through in everything that you do Thank for you. sure. Um, let's see here. That's how we met. That is how we, we met. In I mean, thing. we met at a networking, but then you came and heard my story and you're like, let, let me help you. Let's go do this. Let me go. Let me introduce you to this person. This person. I'm like, this girl's the real deal right here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, there's one, not just one thing, um, one of the many things that just blows my mind about you is not only the way that you're able to give, but you are also so open about your person mm-hmm. and your life. And um, one thing that I think you do so well is you ask for help. Mm-hmm. And you do this in ways that I only wish I could do mm-hmm. when you're fundraising you know, just in your life, you just have this passion about you that you're on a mission, you're going to do something. And it's not just, Hey, help me because I need this. It's Mm -hmm. more like, come do this with me, Mm -hmm. you know, and you are able to, um, to raise money like no one I've (laughs) ever seen before, you know, and how do you get, how are you so comfortable with yourself that you are okay with asking for help? And, you know, if someone says no, that you don't, you don't let that stop you. You'll just go to the next person 
or in some cases you will just continue to ask the same person, <laughs> you know? And the reason why I ask this is because, um, this is a common theme that we see with women mm-hmm. asking for help, Yeah, you know, asking for what you need. And it's incredible what shows up when you do. So w- tell me more about this part of you and, and why you're and how you're so comfortable being there. Well, I'd like to think it's because I think we are people, like I said, we're people of our word. And so it doesn't come from an, from a belief of like, well, if I ask other people, they'll help me and, and I need all the help. Like you said, it's really like a, a collaboration of life. That's how I see it. I see my life that we need people. We need a tribe. We need, um, partners to partner in this life to not only our own personal life, but our cup, our, the cupcake girls and everything we do that we can't do it alone. And so I think when I invite people into my life, um, it's scary and it definitely is, um, it puts me at a vulnerable state. Um, but I've realized that I can't do the things that I, I can't be the person I want to be and I can't achieve the goals that I want without it. And so my goal is to be a person that people feel that they can be vulnerable with and that they can ask for help. And then in turn, I do the same thing. And so I think, I truly believe that we live in a world where people want to be known and want to be asked for help, but also need help. And so my goal is try to try to model that the best that I can. Is it scary? For sure. I mean, do I, do I like asking for people all this st- for stuff all the time? No, but in a way I don't see it as, um, meeting just one need. I see it as literally changing the world. And so I'm inviting people in. I feel like all of us, we have this desire to make an impact on the world, no matter what we're doing, whether it's we're trying to do in our career as a mom, we're trying to do it um, just in the community, you know, whatever we're doing, we all have a desire to make a difference in the world. And so essentially I'm just inviting people into that. It's my way of doing that. Um, But we are absolutely changing the world and people can see it. And so over time, I've been more and more confident inviting people to say, be part of it. Yeah. Let, let's keep doing it. Let's do it better. Let's do it more powerful. Let's make a bigger impact. Right. And when someone says no, or when someone might judge you, or how, how do you handle that? I think when someone says no, or someone judges me, I try really hard not to take it personally. Now that's not always the case, but usually when someone judges me or treats me, um, unfairly or rudely or whatever you want to say, I really try to see it as it's not about me. It's about something that they may, maybe they're going through. And so I try to, again, just be respectful to everyone. So even if, if people don't like me, if they don't like what I'm doing, if they don't like what I'm asking, I mean, I will push to a certain point until I see that, okay, this is not going to happen. Whether it could be with our clients in a strip club, someone that you know is, is against our cupcake and doesn't want to connect with us, I will push a little harder to see like maybe this person really needs it and they, you know, they're giving me like they're afraid or they're whatever's going on with them and they actually need it, right? Our support. But it's I see the same thing as a donor, as a friend, as um a, a volunteer. I I really love to see people achieving the goals and dreams that they have. And I believe that everyone wants to make a difference in the world. And so I'm inviting them in my class. But if, if ours isn't the right one for them, I hope they find something else. I hope they are happy, you know, caring for, like you said, there's tons of causes out there. I hope that they find their purpose and their passion somewhere else outside of what we're doing. And I try to just let it go. Now it doesn't always work like that. I definitely have, you know, my times where it hurts me or it makes me feel 
sad or let down or even, I mean, even worse, you know, other things, but I, I try to forgive and move on quickly. How do you do that? So I'm, I'm imagining, you know, you're a very positive person. You also are the face of the cupcake girls and you have a whole team of, of people that depend on you. What do you do when you're just not having a good day or you're having a hard time take, you know, you might be taking something personally and, and you're working through that. What, what do you do to get, to get through that? Um, I mean, I have my people, my safe people that I go to and I've learned, I learned that the hard way too. I think when you're the, when you're an entrepreneur, you're a face of an organization, you really have to be careful who you vent to, right? When I was in hair school, actually, they said, we're going to, we do this thing that we call a bitch buddy. So you get to pick one person in here and you can both go back and forth with your thing. So I, early on, I have my bitch buddies. I have people that I call that are safe, that they're not going to go to someone else or it's not going to get out or, you know, something like that, that I can just vent to and they can tell me, okay, you're being crazy right now. Or, you know, you have a point, let's work through it. Um, so I have a therapist that I talk to. My husband's definitely one of them. And then I have a couple close mentors and friends. Um, my parents have always been really supportive of the work that we do as well. So they've been big mentors. Um, and really like, I think the biggest thing is get it out to someone safe, analyze if you're in, in the right place or the wrong thinking, right? Sometimes we just make stuff up in our heads. And I have people that will tell me, I mean, my own husband will be like, nope, you're done. You have five minutes to worry about this and then you're not talking about it again. You're wasting your time. Like, okay, fine. So really finding the right people to speak into your life or to share things with that's going to give you good advice rather than just let you spiral downward is really important. Um, but then I do a lot of practices in my life that helps me again, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. So that could be working out. Um, I, I take different supplements. I use essential oils. Um, again, I have therapy. We we're part of a church that we like. We have a group of friends that we connect with regularly, both female friends and, and couple friends. Um, and so really, again, surrounding myself with healthy people that can speak into my life, that can see that I'm vulnerable with and share the truth and that can, keep me grounded and keep me the healthiest version of me. Yeah. And someone that you're comfortable when they deliver news that you may not like to hear or want to hear. It's okay. I I need to listen to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So advice to anybody who wants to get involved, whatever the cause is, they, they have this intent and it may not be picking up, you know, your life and moving across country, but um, advice for anybody who wants to turn that intent or that desire to help others into reality. Um, I think first is really narrow down on what you want to do. So, cause sometimes we get these, these ideas that are really good ideas that are well-intentioned, but sometimes they come off wrong. And I, th- I see that a lot on the work that we do. There's good people that care about this community, but they do it in a way that is not well received and it really is hurtful to them. And I've seen that in a lot of communities, right? We mean that we mean well. So definitely get to the point, get to the heart of why you want to do it. Find out if there's anyone doing it that you can partner with because starting something out by yourself is really, really hard and you may quit because if you have to have a lot of tenacity to keep going, right, with entrepreneurship or with starting out your own thing. Um, And then find your place. If that's with another organization or with your own, find what you're good at and keep doing that and and always keep the the heart and the mission that you started in line with what you're doing because there's lots of things that need to be done in the world. If you try to do all of them, you will burn out. You will absolutely keep your life and your business in balance by 
making sure that your priorities are right in front of you and that you're working towards things that you really, really want, not just needs that come up. And then when you get that real beeline clarity on what you're supposed to do, just keep going. Do not quit. Or like I say, is quit for a day. Go ahead and quit. I mean, I've quit a lot of days in my life, (laughs) one day. And then my husband said, yep, you can quit today. It's fine. And then the next day I start back over again. That's okay. Just in your mind, you quit. Shut off, completely shut off, quit, and then start back over the next day. Because it is going to get hard. But you won't you won't get to see the fruits or the the benefits or the beauty in what you're doing if you quit early. I can tell you from personal experience, this is this month we celebrate our seven year anniversary of the Cupcake Girls as a nonprofit. And just on the last year have I seen gotten to experience some of the fruit and the beauty and the ease of the work that we're doing because of all the hard work I put in. And I would be bummed, so bummed, if I never got to see it. I mean, you get little glimpses of what you're doing, but it takes a long time to build the foundation in any community that you're working in, in any job that you have. It takes a long time. And if you build that up and then quit, imagine what you're missing on the other side. And that, I think, now is, helps me to keep going every day. That's awesome. <clears throat> Thanks so much for coming in, Joy. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. To learn more about Joy Hoover's cause, visit thecupcakegirls.org. Thanks as always for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, visit the Leadership Looks Like Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Leadership Looks Like is a podcast dedicated to leaders everywhere. Our mission is to show that leaders come from all different backgrounds, ages, colors, shapes, and sizes. For more information about our project or to become a contributor, visit leadershiplookslike.org. Sign up for Fresh Start Mondays and get access to free leadership tips delivered to your inbox every Monday. To subscribe, visit leadershipexcursion.co forward slash subscribe. And finally, The Coop, Las Vegas' newest co-working location with a focus on community and collaboration. If you're a small business owner looking for office space and amenities and would like to be located in Summerlin, visit thecoopcowork.com. Until next time, continue to inspire and support one another through effective leadership. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. See you again next week.